Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father and our God, tonight we come before you. We ask, O oh Lord, in your kindness and in your mercy, that as we come before you, that you open the scriptures to us, allow us to sit at your feet, allow us to be changed, to learn. Most of all, reveal yourself to us that we may become like Christ. We yield totally to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the one who teaches us, Father Almighty God. And we ask that he teaches, he takes from your heart, from all that Jesus has won, and he reveals them to us so that we may be your children in word, in truth, and in deed. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening as we start tonight. Um, remember last week we started speaking about the Holy Spirit. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, and we're going to continue tonight, and we're going to look at, there are many scriptures that speak about the Holy Spirit, but we're going to use um, one that speaks about a few things about the Holy Spirit, and we'll go from there. So we'll start there, and then um, we have some questions from last week, and you're more than welcome to put in some more questions this week, and we will answer them as we go. Um, but we'll start um, in Ephesians chapter 3. And I will start reading from verse uh, 14. I'll start reading from verse 14, and then we will stop at verse 21. And that will be our text for tonight that will allow us to look at many things that the Holy Spirit does. I really pray that tonight is a blessing to you. I hope you're enjoying it. Take advantage of everything that we do, whether that be our Sunday services, whether that be the Q&As on Sunday evenings, the prayer meetings, we're really looking forward to spending a year together so that we can be discipled in all ways and in all things. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, and so we're going to dive in and we're looking at Ephesians chapter three and I'll start, I'll start reading from 14 and I'll go from there. And the Bible says the following, the Bible says, for this reason, I'm reading from the Amplified Classic Version of the Bible. For this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself, indwelling your innermost being and personality. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love that you may have the power to be strong, to apprehend and grasp with all saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of it? 
verse 19, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Verse 20 and verse 21. Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And Paul ends with amen. And ladies and gentlemen, we realize this is a really lovely reading and it speaks quite clearly about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to look at. And so let's begin to break it down. So we'll do that for the next 30 minutes and then we'll take questions um, for the 30 or 35 or so minutes or 30 minutes after that as we wrap up. And so hopefully everybody is um, uh, ready for that. And so the first thing is this. The Bible says in verse 14, the Bible says, for this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan, which you are built together in Christ, and then Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pause for a moment. So let's understand what exactly is that plan. Now, when I say that, the reason I say what is that plan, it's just to introduce the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so this is this is what this is just to give you some background. So Paul is referring in verse 14 to God's plan for you and I. And let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Ephesians 3, verse 10. And it summarizes, quite simply, um, God's plan for you and I as the church. And I'll read from the King James Version of the Bible, Ephesians 3, verse 10. And the Bible says, To the intent that now unto principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. And so what does God want to do with us as the church, that's you and I, is that he wants to demonstrate to everything in the universe his wisdom, and not just his wisdom, his manif the many sides of his wisdom. And so I'll read that in the Amplified Bible, that's Ephesians 3.10, and that's just tying it together for us, that this is why Paul is praying so intently. And the Bible says the purpose is that through the church, the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all its infinite variety and innumerable aspects might now be made known to the angelic rulers and authorities, principalities, and powers in the heavenly sphere. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here to demonstrate that God was right to choose the church. He's demonstrating his wisdom demonstrating who he is demonstrating what he is and that's so that's what we realize so that's the purpose that we are here for just in a nutshell there are other um ramifications of it but this just sums it up nicely for tonight and so we realize paul says for this reason that's the reason that i pray 
And this is what he prays. Verse 15, he speaks that he's speaking to every family. Verse 16, and this is, verse 16 is key. And he says the following. Um, I'll read from the King James Version of the Bible first. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And so this also answers some questions that we had last week. When the Holy Spirit is sent to us by Jesus Christ, he lives within our renewed spirit. Now, that he still, that means he literally takes up residence in our spirit. Not that he replaces or merges with our spirit. That's completely different. He's still there. He's there as the Holy Spirit, but he now lives in our spirit. And so we realize that the, when God wants to make all his plans and his purposes come to pass after he has redeemed us through Jesus Christ, he sends the person of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit on your inside is the catalyst that makes all that God has planned and purpose come to pass. And it's one of the beautiful things we see. And the Bible says in verse 16 that he says, may he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself, indwelling your innermost being and personality. So ladies and gentlemen, what does the Holy Spirit do? Jesus says he, he gives power. The word used is enablement. He brings power. Now, this is also, Jesus says the same thing about him. And so we'll look at that so we can understand. This is Ephesians 3 will be our, just like a little framework, and then we'll look at. So the thing is, when you are asking for strength, when you are asking for power and ability to do and be what God wants you to be, he does it through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and he strengthens you on your inside. Okay, so let's see where that is also in the Bible. Turn in your Bible to um, and we're going to go to quite a few scriptures just to see who he is, to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8. I'll read it both in the King James and the Amplified. So Acts chapter 1, verse 8, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So, ladies and gentlemen, notice what does the Holy Ghost do? He gives us the power and ability to do what God has asked us to do, to live for Christ the way God wants us to. So, Jesus says, You shall receive power. Paul says you will be strengthened in your inner man. And let's have a look at another scripture there. 
Um, let's have a look at the book of Ezekiel, verse chapter 36. And we're going to read from 25 and we'll stop at 28. And so I've put that in the chat. So Ezekiel 36, this is where it was prophesied. And it's a very clear prophecy and it explains it. And that will help us to understand what the Holy Spirit does. So the Lord is speaking about the process of, um, he's speaking about the process of salvation. And at the end of it, he clearly explains that the Holy Spirit lives within our spirit. And he literally lives in our spirit as the person of the Holy Spirit. That's why he can speak to you. That's why you can hear his voice. And I'll read from the King James Version of the Bible first. The Bible says, then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. And from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart will I give you and a new spirit I will put within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Then the Bible says in verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you. Notice that's what God will do. He will put his spirit on your inside. And then he says, and this is what will happen and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So when the Bible says you shall receive power or you shall receive strength or you shall receive strength in your inner man, notice what will happen you will be able to walk in God's statutes and you will be able to keep his judgments because the Holy Spirit empowers you too. Ladies and gentlemen, it's 7.14, so let's pause and let's take our declarations for today and let's take them together and please keep doing this on your own. Let's keep, let's keep it going until we see the manifestation that God has promised. The Bible says the following, or this is our declaration. Oh Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves and we pray. We seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways, Lord. Hear from heaven. Forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name, we pray. We declare that our land is healed in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. And ladies and gentlemen, why do we keep doing it? Until we see what the Bible promises, we will not stop. We will keep going until our land is healed. And that's why we'll, we'll keep doing it. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, as we, so we'll continue. So speaking about the one, the first thing that the Holy Ghost does is he gives you strength. And so when we say he gives you strength, notice what Ezekiel 36, 27 says. He says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. That means we, the benefits that God wants to give to us, he will cause to happen through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so notice the first thing we want to realize about the Holy Spirit today is he gives us power. He gives us the power to do to carry out what God wants us to carry out. He gives us power. 
Okay, and so let's go back to our framework scripture, which is Ephesians 3, and let's keep reading and let's look at some of the other things that the Holy Spirit does. And Ephesians 3, so we'll, we're at verse 16, and let's go to verse 17. So Ephesians 3, verse 17. So the first thing the Holy Ghost does is he strengthens you on your inside. So that answers one of the questions that we had last week, that does the Holy Spirit become one with our spirit or like as in merges? So there's just a mishmash. No, he doesn't. He's distinct. He lives on our inside, but there's the Holy Spirit. There's your spirit, your heart, your soul, and your mind. And so we've got, that's what we've, um, I wanted to clear that up because that was asked last week. And so I hope that wraps that clarifies it for you. He lives in us, okay? And so we go from there. Um, verse 17, the Bible says the following, and I'll read from the King James Version of the Bible. This is the second thing we're looking at that the Holy Spirit does. So the first one we said, he gives us strength. So whenever you're asking for strength, Whenever you need strength, the Holy Spirit will strengthen you and he will strengthen you on the inside. So let's look at the second thing he does. The Bible says in Ephesians 3, 17, um, and this is the beautiful things about this. We're going to look at lots of things that he does. The Bible says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So this is the beautiful thing about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He causes Christ to dwell in our hearts. How? Through faith. When you read the Bible, and this is the, one of the beautiful things about people say, also, how, do I, how do I increase my faith or how does faith come? Let's have a look at it. The Holy Spirit causes the word that you read, study, meditate, confess and act on just like we said in, in um, Joshua 1 8 that the Holy Spirit when you read the Bible when you study the Bible when you meditate on the Bible when you confess the Bible and when you act on it the Holy Spirit causes what you read to become faith that is the assurance and confidence in God's word the same way God has an assurance and a confidence in his word. He's the one that takes the Bible and turns it into faith on your inside. Notice what the Bible says. He said that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith because it comes from the strength of the Holy Spirit. So let's have a look at that. So let's have a look at Romans 10, 17, just for clarity. So Romans 10, 17. The Bible says, Romans 10, 17, the Bible says the following. So the Bible says, then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When the Bible says hearing, hearing, as we've said many times, is very different from listening. And hearing is where you process what you understand into an action it's the holy spirit 
who enables you to understand what the Bible says. The result of the understanding that he brings is called faith. So it is, so when when you when you get to a point where you're reading the Bible and you get to a point and say, yes, I believe this. I believe it to be true. I've read it, I've studied it, I've meditated on it, and I now believe it to be true to the point where I can confess and act on it. At that point, the Holy Spirit has taken the Bible and caused you to understand it. The resultant understanding is called faith. That's he's the one that makes it happen. And the Bible says that he's the one. He says that may Christ dwell in your hearts by faith. The Holy Spirit makes that happen. And so we've, we, we looked at that last week, and, and I'll, I'll put that there again. This is one of the beautiful things about praying in the Spirit. Jude chapter 1 verse 20 and the bible says and i'll go there for accuracy and then i'll move on it says but you beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith praying in the holy ghost so the when you pray in the holy ghost your faith is built for a very simple reason and and pastor spoke about this on sunday and i'll refer to the same scripture again so that we get a, a good picture jesus says in and i'll put both scriptures in john 6 63 so jude 120 says when you pray in the holy ghost you build up your most holy faith so we realize that the holy spirit is central to building up your faith. John 6, 63. And then we'll move on to the next one. John 6, 63. And I'm going to read this um, in both the Amplified Bible and in the King James. King James says, Jesus speaking, it is the spirit, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And so when Jesus, when you read the Bible, you realize you are reading, Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And so we realize that the Holy Spirit takes the words of God and he literally causes the life of God to manifest. Um, there is a wonderful, wonderful question and I'll answer it immediately. Is speaking in tongues the only way for us to build up our faith? No, that's not. It's a great way, but it's not the only way to build up our faith. How do we build up? Uh, literally, you build up your faith Notice what the Bible says in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing in itself, that's the process, um, by the word of God. So as you spend time in the Bible doing the following, 
um, you read the Bible, you study the Bible. That is going a little bit deeper than reading the stories and reading the Bible. Studying, you find out a little bit more, you use different versions, you uh, spend a bit more time, you give, um, you get details, you can read concordances and stuff like that. So there's reading, which is just reading the Bible. Then there is the study process where you're getting sufficiently more information about the Bible. That's why reading the Bible in two or three versions, that's the product of study. It, it makes it clearer. Then there's the process of meditating on the Bible. Meditating on the Bible, and that this is where your faith is really, but meditating on the Bible is to think about, to picture, to see yourself there. But the root word of meditate is to mutter or to repeat to yourself. And as you think about it, it's very the very same way we think about anything. To meditate means to stay on something, to focus on it, to let it literally become part of you. And so you're saying it, you're listening to the stories, you're repeating it to yourself, you're saying it over yourself, you're repeating different scriptures about a particular subject to yourself. The Bible says on the back of that process, you will be able to observe to do. It will move from just speaking to the point where you can see it and you realize it's mine. It's real. This is what God has promised me. I get that from Joshua 1.8. Then how do we build up our faith? We speak the word. Now, this is the reason I say we should speak the word. Romans 10.17 says faith comes by hearing. So ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says nothing about who does the speaking. That means I can be listening to a sermon. I can be listening to a testimony. I can be listening to the word of God on tape, but also I can hear myself. So when I'm speaking the word of God, I'm confessing what the Bible says concerning me. I'm confessing the promises of God. I am confessing who I am in Christ. You are hearing that process on the end of that process. So when you're beginning to speak on it, you're beginning to act on it. You begin to take actions about your faith. And the one, the, the, <laughs> there are a variety of actions that you can take. And this is not big actions. These are choosing not to doubt, choosing not to worry, choosing that God, if you've said this, I will trust you, choosing to walk with the Lord, choosing to have a, a settled heart regarding that God is faithful, not to be afraid, keeping, those are the choices and decisions that start. And then that it will lead to other actions where the Lord will say, go left or right, choose this, sign the papers, do the job, accept this, do, and so on and so forth. The Bible says, as you repetitively do those things, your faith or confidence in God is built. Praying in tongues, remember what we said last week, praying in tongues turbocharges all those processes. So 
it's not the only way to build your faith. It is a great way to build your faith, but the basics must be done. That means you are, and I'll go over it and, and then and we'll move on from there. And I think it's a very great question. Read the Bible, study the Bible, meditate on the Bible, confess the Bible, act the Bible. Do those things and your faith in God will grow because you'll realize it works. <laughs> you'll realize that the Bible works. You'll realize that all of a sudden you're calmer. All of a sudden you're more confident. All of a sudden you can confront what scared you the most. All of a sudden you can keep going. So that's something I really want to keep in mind. So that's how we build our faith. And so that we realize the person who oversees that process when you're reading, studying, meditating, confessing, and acting, the person who oversees that process to take what you know and turn it into that confidence that now says, this is mine. And this is what I'm going to live by is the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay, great question. Hopefully that, so that's, that's what he does. So that he builds our faith so that he, he oversees the process and he builds our faith. Great question. Absolutely wonderful question. Wonderful question. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter three and we'll, let's go back to Ephesians three and we're at verse 17, just looking at the things the Holy Spirit does. And we'll look at a couple more and then I'll take a few questions. So Ephesians three seventeen. Um, the Bible says that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. So this is the impact of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Then the Bible says the following, that you being rooted and grounded in love. One of the wonderful things that the Holy Spirit does is he gives you the ability to walk in the love of God. Now, let's go to because sometimes this and this is what we find this is one of the beautiful things about the holy spirit let's go to a scripture romans chapter five and let's read from one to five because many times this is one of the beautiful things um that we realize the person who fills your heart with the love of god is the person of the holy spirit because remember, he is God and God is love. So let's have a look, but let's have a look at Romans chapter five, verses one to five. Romans five, verses one to five. And I will read, I'll read in the King James and then I will read in the Amplified immediately afterwards. The Bible says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And the Bible says in verse five, and hope maketh not ashamed. And then the Bible says, because the love of God 
is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The grace to go through a trial, the grace to walk with God through difficult circumstances comes when the Holy Spirit fills your heart with the love of God. Notice what the Bible says in Ephesians 3, 17, and the, then it says that you will be rooted and grounded in love. The person who makes this a reality is the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Romans 5, verses 1 to 5 in the Amplified and make a few statements about that. And so we realize that the person that enables, person that enables us to go through trials and stick with God, to walk through trials with grace, to walk through trials, the whole process is the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read Romans 5 verses 1 to 5 in the Amplified Classic Version, and it, it makes it a bit clearer. And I, I sense in my spirit, and, I, and this is what I, I sense, that someone needs to realize that they are not alone on this journey, even though they're going through a difficult time. I really hope this ministers to you. I'll read from Romans 5 verses 1, Amplified Bible Classic Version. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Pause for a moment. And let me say this. Whenever you are going through a challenge, let's settle something. The Bible says you have peace with God. So if something has come into your world or something has been allowed, or you find yourself going through a challenging time, let's settle something. God is not punishing you. He's not punishing you because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says that God laid all the punishments for sin on him. So when you find yourself going through a trial, a challenge, and some of them are extremely severe, Let's settle something. It is not God punishing you. And so we realize we cannot ascribe to God. So that's the, those, those are the beautiful things that when I'm going through a trial, I know for a fact God's on my side, that I, God is in my corner. I might be going through a nightmare, but God is in my corner. The Bible says we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I hope that ministers to somebody. Let's go to verse two. The Bible says, through him also we have our access, entrance and introduction by faith into this grace, state of God's favor, in which we firmly and safely stand. That's why the Bible says rooted and grounded. When you're going through anything, ladies and gentlemen, the one thing a plant needs is to be rooted. Rooted and grounding gives life and stability. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we realize that through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you are rooted and grounded. The way the Bible says it here is that you are standing firmly and safely. And so, 
please hear me well, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what you're going through, God has got you firmly and he's going to get you to the other side faithfully. You're going to get there. We're going to get you through this. And the Bible says, and let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. The outcome of a trial for a Christian who holds on to the word of God and the Lord is that at the end of this matter, God will be glorified. That doesn't mean that everything will turn out the way we necessarily want it. But the way when we go through it, the glory of God, as especially when we have the confidence and assurance to walk with God the way the Holy Ghost enables us, hear me well, God will be glorified in the most difficult of circumstances. I remember when um, our son passed away um, almost about 11, 12 years ago now, and I went to register his passing. And I didn't realize the Lord had given me peace. That's a different sermon for a different day. And exactly like I'm saying to you, the Holy Spirit had got to my heart. And I'll explain as we read on. I went to register his death. And I noticed a clerk came out looking for somebody and he came into the waiting room. He didn't really. And then finally they worked out, oh, this is the guy that they're looking for. So he came, tapped me on the shoulder very gent gently because he realized this person has come to, you know, register a bereavement. And he, you know, led me into another room where they were playing soft music. And it, it really, it was quite a, an experience. And then they took me into the registrar and I began to give the details of, you know, this is, this is his name. This is, when he was born and so on and so forth. And this is when he passed us and that was all there. And then she got to a point and she said, what do you, what's your profession? And I said, minister, and she stopped typing. She looked up and she said, no wonder. And this is what I mean by God will be glorified. The glory of God will be seen when you are able to walk through a nightmare and still hold on to the fact that God is faithful. It's not that the outcome's perfect. It's just that the person at the center, the God we serve, is trustworthy. And he is able to take you through the challenge. Sometimes you go, the mountain will move. Sometimes he'll take you round it. So what I mean is, and that it struck the lady so firmly, and she said, no wonder, because I wasn't necessarily outwardly broken. I was not completely, you know, cursing life and death. I was not necessarily, un, you know, it, it wasn't written all over my face that I had just gone through the toughest and was going through the toughest eight to nine months of my life. But the strength of God, because I realized he was real, I did not understand all the details, but through my actions at that point in time, the glory of God was so visible, it stopped this. And she, she was not necessarily, you know, um, not a, what you would call a quintessential Christian. She was a wonderful Asian lady. And she stopped and said, no wonder. Something about you speaks about the God you serve. So this is what I want you to realize. That's what the Bible says, that at the end of your journey, 
the outcome of what you are going through, God will be glorified. So let's keep reading um, verses three, four, and five. The Bible says, moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. So let's settle something. It's not saying that the trouble is good. It's that I understand the process. So as I'm going through it, I can have, I have joy and confidence in God because I know that the outcome of this process will glorify him. Not that what I'm going through is good. I might be going through a nightmare. Now, let me put, pause for a moment. What that means, ladies and gentlemen, think about it. When you are in the gym or when you are exercising or when you're studying for an exam, why is it that you can go through, especially if it's not the first exam that you've taken, you realize that, you know what, this season of studying, no sleep, in and out of the library, walking to work, looking like a zombie, you know, hair undone. You're basically, you literally are just studying. You realize that it's only for a season. Once the exam is done, I realize it's going to be lifted up by God's grace, I'll pass. And so what you begin to realize is, during the pressure, because you understand the outcome, you can have joy. Joy is different from happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is based on understanding that, you know what, this thing will pass. It's an exam. It is, uh, you know what, it's, it's an exam. If I fail it, I can retake it. It's not going to break me. I'm going to get through it. I will be the doctor that they want me to be. I will become a lawyer. I will get through this year. I will get into the school I want. And you know what, God's got me. And that's what I mean. So what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, is it's not that what comes against you is good. And that's what you must realize. It's not that you're saying that, oh, this particular thing I'm going through is good. No, but the process that God is in absolute control of at the end of it, I will come out and I can have joy. Why? Because God is immovable. He is present and I'm not alone. So let's keep going. Let's go to verse four. That's why the Bible says that um, we can rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. Think about it. The first time you go through something, and God gets you out of it. The next time you're going through it, or when someone says, I'm going through the same thing, you have an assurance that, listen, God's going to turn this around. Why? I've seen it. I'm a living witness. This is the beautiful thing, and I want to drive it home. This is the beautiful thing about telling your story. When you tell your story to somebody else who's going through what you've gone through, you transfer the glory of God, the strength and confidence of God into their life. That's why telling your story is really important. And that's why, that's why pastor spoke about it on Sunday. And so keep that in mind. Tell your story. God has won battles on your behalf. Okay. So keep that going. Let's go to number, verse four. And the Bible says, an endurance, fortitude, develops maturity of character, approved faith, and tried integrity. And then, so this is, this is key. The Bible says endurance, that means going through a process, beginning to end. 
it develops maturity of character, approved faith, and tried integrity. That means when you say something, people will believe you. And this is one of the things that I, that I found. I was talking to my talking to my daughter, and we're believing God for a particular thing. And she says, "You know what, Daddy? I've seen you do this before, and I've seen God come through for us." So, kind of crazy, but I'm on your frequency, and I started laughing. So I was like, so you've been watching because we have gone through this journey where God has provided this particular thing, not once, not twice, not three times. And ladies and gentlemen, hear me well. So when I now say to someone that, oh, God will do this for you or God will do that, I can say it with integrity, knowing that God will come through. If you've endured it, if you stuck with the process, if you've walked in faith beginning to end, all of a sudden, you become confident. You become assured that, you know what, this thing that God is saying is true. The person that makes it possible is the Holy Spirit. And so let's keep going. Verse four says, endurance, fortitude develops maturity of character, approved faith and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful, confident hope of eternal salvation. Now pause for a moment. Hope is never based on nothing. So joyful and confident hope is built on character. Character is where you've gone through something and God has built into you the understanding that in this particular area, I can be trusted and I will come through. And it becomes a part of your words, your thoughts, and your actions. And so when you see certain people who are going through difficult things, or when you tell them what in is an absolute nightmare, and they don't flap. And one of the things I've found, this is, and I'll use myself as an, as an example, please hear me well. One of the things that I have found by experience, one of the things I have found by experience is this, God will be kind to you. I, I Please hear me well. I have too many examples. I have lived too many journeys whereby God is kind. And it's, 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 I just know it to be true. So when I say it to people, I'm not speaking from my head. I'm speaking from experience. I'm speaking. I, so it, it flows out. And now I found out that it's God's intention in the Bible to be kind to us. And so what I, it, it touches my heart. So when I say it, the Bible says, I have integrity behind what I say. Why? Because trust me, when all the lights went out, God was kind to us. And, and I can say it. So when the lights go out or someone says, you know what, it's gone dark. I've lost something. Uh, somebody has passed away. Uh, something hasn't happened again. I'm going through a process. I'm believing God for a child. I'm, you know what, my period has shown up if you're a lady or you know what, the, the IVF didn't work. Or, uh, trust me, God, will be kind to you because I've seen him go through it. And the Bible says that it becomes character. That means you can't unteach it from me. It's too late because I've lived it. And I've seen God so many times come through. So I know for a fact that God will be kind. So let's keep this in mind. And so ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says character of this sort produces the habit. So notice you're building a habit 
of having joyful and confident hope that God will bail you out. That at the end of this thing, God will be glorified. I didn't say that everything will turn out exactly as I want it to in that sense. But even when I have a left turn or the lights go out, God will be glorified. I may not understand the journey, but he will be glorified. I may not understand why I'm going through the challenge right now, but God will be glorified. So keep that in mind. So this is the last, so this is the buildup for one statement. One statement. Verse five. The Bible says such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us. For God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Pause for a moment. Many times we, we, we want to walk in the love of God and we try and do it in our own strength. The Bible doesn't say you have to like everybody, but the Bible does say you are able to walk in the love of God that God provides for you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit pours out into your heart the love of God and it then takes over. That means you are able to love the unlovable, not because you can do it, but because you can do it through his ability. His ability works through you to somebody else. So what I want you to realize is the love of God. Why is that the case? The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Jesus explains this in two scriptures. For just to give you a journey, and, and so, a lot, some of this you may not be able to, um, just to give you the journey, First John 4, 8 to 10. I won't turn there today, just to give you the journey. First John 4, 8 to 10. Then if you add John chapter 4, so I'll give you all three scriptures. John 4. And yes, John 4, 13 to 14. I'm writing it down, ladies and gentlemen, and I will go over it again if you're listening by podcast. And John chapter 7, verse 37 to 38. So ladies and gentlemen, loving walking in the love of god jesus says the first thing we, we read in first john 4 8 to 10 and so you can please read these at home the bible says god is love now we also realize the holy spirit is god so when jesus says that if any man in john chapter 4 he says that the water I give you to drink, speaking of the person of the Holy Spirit, will be a spring within you bubbling up to eternal life, meaning that there will be enough of God on your inside to take you from wherever you meet Jesus until you get to heaven. 
But he also says in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 38, that the Holy Spirit within you will be like a river gushing out of you. That means there will be more than enough of the Holy Spirit on your inside for you to make a difference in your world. Not only get you to heaven, but take those around you to literally make heaven show up in the world around you. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is what it means. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. So the Holy Spirit sheds the love of God in your heart, and it brings two things. It brings life, and it brings stability. And so this is what I want you to begin to keep in mind, that Jesus says this is what the Holy Spirit does. Okay, um, let me go back to our base scripture. We've got about seven minutes left. You know what? We'll pick up from there next week. We'll pick up from that point next week. So I'm just going to answer a few questions that have come in and some that came in last week, and then we'll go on from there. And this is, this is, uh, I, I, this question has come up, so I'll, I'll pick it up. The Bible says, um, the, the, one of the things that we're terrified of is, how do we know that we've grieved the Holy Spirit? And you know what, what happens when we grieve the Holy Spirit? When do we upset him? Um, and this is one of the <laughs> questions that, can he leave? So let's pause for a moment. Let's, let's have a look. The Bible says that God will place the Holy Spirit into your spirit. Jesus says that he will be with you forever. So pause for a moment. That means once you've given your life to Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit has been granted. And remember, he's a gift. He's been granted on the back of prayer. He's with you for life. Because the Bible says we are sealed by the Holy Spirit unto our redemption at eternity. So he doesn't leave. But, now listen carefully. But it can we can stop listening to him, okay? We can stop listening to him. That means he's there. Remember, he's a gentleman. He lives on your inside. And if you then choose that, you know what? I'm going to systematically ignore you so that ignoring you becomes a habit, okay? Ignoring you becomes a habit. That means he is present, but you can no longer hear him. He's present. He's with you on your inside because you are saved. Your salvation hasn't been taken away. He's there, but you can't hear him. And so the Bible says he's grieved. How do we get him back? How do we get our fellowship with the Holy Spirit back? He's present. So God doesn't have to give him again. The Bible does say that you can be filled afresh. We're going to look at that, but let's start. So how do we get it right? If we sense that we, and then how do we know that we grieve the Holy Spirit? Very simply, how do you know that you've upset somebody you love? Many times you feel it, your conscience does what? It taps you. 
That's how you'll know. You'll sense that, ah, oh, wait, 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 wait. Something's gone wrong. Something's gone wrong. I'm missing something. That, okay, okay, okay. What's the matter? How, what have I done wrong? That in the very same way. I, I use this example a lot. How will God speak to you? Imagine this is what he will do. He'll give you an impression. That means you will feel on your inside something's missing. The beautiful thing about it is when you spend time with God reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, spending time in worship, you'll realize that he'll tell you. You'll sense that, Lord, I know I've upset you. I, I, didn't, I, 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 I know I, I didn't get that right. That's how you know. You know on your insides. Remember what we said, he lives in your spirit. So you'll feel on your inside a heaviness. He's present. You can choose to ignore it. But because God's love, God loves you, he will sometimes then, the, he will either work, he'll work from your inside. If you stop listening, he'll send people to you. You'll hear it, you'll walk, you may walk into church on Sunday, the sermon is speaking about you. The person who prays at the end of church is speaking about your situation. The person who greets you at church is speaking about your situation. And it's like, ah, does everybody know what I'm going through? What? The Holy Ghost is working on you. And so remember this. So that's one of the things. So when we grieve the Holy Spirit, remember, the Lord will get through to us. Is he there? Yes, he is. Will the Holy Spirit get through to us? Yes, he will. And he will systematically get louder and louder and louder, and he will use circumstances. There is a, and so that, that, that's really important. So then how do we restore? So we realize, oh God, I missed that. What does God want you to do? Now, please understand, 1 John 1.9 is where we should always always go and this is what i want you to remember 1 john 1 9 let me read it and then the bible says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that means if you make a mistake go back to your father now pause for a moment that word is important. Remember, God is your father. So what does Jesus say? And let me, to show you that this is something that we've got to keep in mind, say the Lord's prayer every day. Because in the Lord's prayer, notice what Jesus said we should say every day. He said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And he says it, say the prayer daily. So it's, as you say the Lord's prayer, you are refreshing your relationship with God 
on a daily basis. Where do you start? If you feel that you've drifted from God, start by saying the Lord's Prayer daily. Because in the Lord's Prayer comes the truth that you are relating to your father. He is in absolute control. He's, he loves you more than ever. And in that prayer, you literally refresh and restart your relationship every single morning so that if there's something missing because he said whatever you ask the father in my name he will do what he'll grant it to you and so that's how remember go back to god do not accept the lies of the devil that god is so angry with you that he will not talk to you okay um we're out of time and so i'm just going to take the liberty to say a prayer i will um we'll copy the chat and any questions that we haven't answered we will pick up in the next week and we will continue so this is also gives you the opportunity to do a little bit of homework this particular so next week we're starting again from ephesians chapter 3 we're in the middle of verse 17 we'll pick up from there so it will be great for you to read ephesians 3 um from if you want read it from beginning to end read it in a version that you like and by the time we come next week hopefully it's it's gendered a whole range of questions and it will also help us understand and relate to the holy spirit as we go through this season as we start this year launching out walking in what that word means so let's say a prayer um and the reason i want to pray is Everybody needs a miracle. Some people need a miracle more than others, and we want to join our faith with you. And Father Almighty God, we ask in simple faith that by the ministry of your Holy Spirit, we ask for two things. We pray that the love of God pours out into the hearts of whoever is going through any kind of challenge, any kind of journey that requires them holding on through any kind of any circumstances that do not speak directly of you. We pray, my Father, that the Holy Spirit does what he says he will do, fill their hearts with the love of God, giving them the ability and strength to hope, to hold on, and to keep going so that at the end of the journey, you will be glorified. We pray directly, my Father, for those who require miracles, and we join our faith with them in simple faith if they're listening by podcast or they're on this particular call we pray my father we join our faith that we believe that father as we ask you together you will do for them what they have asked you from heaven and we ask that the person of the holy spirit fills their heart strengthens their inside roots and grounds them in the love of god and we ask it in the name of our lord and savior Heal those you need to heal. Bless those you need to bless. Deliver those you need to deliver. And we just wanted to end by saying thank you, my Father. And we commit everybody into your hand this week, and we pray that they have an absolutely amazing week. In Jesus' most holy name, amen and amen. <laughs>